Today's Daily DVR is brought to you by our presenting sponsor, Cufflinks.com. Head on over to Cufflinks.com and use code DVR20 to save 20% off your order, no minimum. You've heard me talk about Cufflinks before. You know all the awesome, geeky, as well as super high-class products they have. And if you check their homepage, they're always listing a bunch of deals for you. And, of course, I did just tell you one, DVR20. So go ahead and use that. And you know what? You still got to look good, people. We know you got to be careful out there. We still got corona going on, but you can still look good if you're zooming it or even if you're just walking past someone looking outside a window. So head on over to cufflinks.com today. Use code DVR20 and save. Thank you, Cufflinks. Welcome back to Daily DVR Does Mayor of Kingstown, baby. We are back to talk about the season finale, episode 10, This Piece of My Soul. Directed by Stephen K again and written, of course, by Taylor Sheridan. And we're going to throw Hugh Dillon in there because he's our man. Now, before I even introduce Solo, I'm going to tell you to stick with the podcast at the end. We're going to say goodbye, and then our good friend Matt is going to come on and do about a 10-minute breakdown of the theme music for Mayor of Kingstown. If you've never heard Matt talk about music before, you're in for a big treat. You can check Matt out at Bustin' Blockbusters, and also he's got a new show coming out called Before the Dragon, talking about Game of Thrones. I'll put links in the show notes. Stick around for that, but let's say hello to Heath. How you doing, buddy? Oh, I'm doing great. I, you know, I think after watching this whole season, the first season of Mayor of Kingstown, I think I left part of my soul in Kingstown. Whew. I know I did, man, because I just watched the finale. And I, I mean, I felt it felt like it was five minutes long. It was so it was so breathtaking and quick and so much action and tension I, I absolutely loved it, man. It was really awesome. What's your just initial reaction before I get to like the five things I have to say? Okay. <laughs> you sure it's only five? But <laughs> uh, you, can, you can say more if you want. No, it, 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 honestly, I was, I had expectations for this show. You know, when I first saw the first trailer, I was like, oh my God, you know, I was going to say, you know, Hugh Dillon and Taylor Sheridan created a show. You got Boy Renner. You got you got Coach from Friday Night Lights. <laughs> I mean, I, I was just like, I'm in. And then, of course, we get the shocker uh, in the pilot and everything that led up. And there was like three major characters in the pilot that I thought were going to be regulars on the show. They were that good, but they were bumped off after one episode. And going through the season, this show surprised me. It made me think. It showed me things I haven't seen in television before, like little things. Uh, And it just, it it was remarkable. And I wasn't sure, okay, where is this show going? You know, normally a lot of shows, I can predict a lot what's going to happen. Me and Lady Solo watched something last night. Uh, That was pretty good. I can't even remember what it was. But like, I, you know, I predicted like every, oh, it was the pilot of The Cleaner on Fox. Yep. Yeah. And I, you know, you could predict the whole thing, but it was, it was fun, but it's, it, you know, you watch a show like that. It's good, but you watch a show like Mayor Kingstown and this is like outstanding masterpiece esque. 
and it just did everything right for me. I really don't have a lot of pro- and if if any problems with this show. Um, it, it did it all. I mean, it did it all for me and and beyond. And it was executed in detail. The cast was amazing. The direction was amazing. I got educated when Miriam's talk. I mean, it was just it led up to this, and it it it, it was phenomenal. It was absolutely phenomenal, and I'm so excited we didn't get burnt on a show doing a podcast line just saying <laughs> we're going to do it, you know, like we've been hurt before, dude. I, I I agree with everything you have to say. And just before we started recording, Solo and I found out the good news, which is that Mayor of Kingstown has been renewed for season two. It is not officially renewed, but there was an article about Yellowstone at which at the end of the piece, they said that season two of Mayor of Kingstown is scheduled to release sometime in the latter half of 2022 which is this year. So we'll be back to talk about season two. And I think that was one of the things that I really enjoyed about this episode is that it didn't feel like a season finale, even a a series finale or a season finale, because it just made you feel like the story continues, right? And that's right. that's how this world felt. Like as soon as we stepped into it, it was alive. You believed that there was a past that everyone had, and you felt it. And it just continued like a fucking rocket, like a train, like the little Choo-choo. ball of energy that Jeremy Renner is, you know. And it just didn't stop. And this episode was amazing. But before we talk more, I do have like five things to say. Which is, right, I, like I want to say thanks again to our new patron, Jay Peterman, Jesse Peterman. I also want to say thanks to Lisa B. She sent us an email before the finale saying, just a quick note to thank you for this great podcast about this great show. I'll be baking up a Dutch baby, as I call an oven pancake, tomorrow night for the season finale. And then look forward to hearing your take in the following days. That's Lisa B. from Chapel Hill. I used to live in Durham. So what up, Lisa? I used to run the People's Channel, if you know the People's Channel in Chapel Hill. Everybody knows the People's Channel. Yeah, come on. People's Channel. So thank you for that, Lisa. Also, I got a little tweet from Damien on Twitter. Just Damien Lindelof? No. (laughs) Damien Lindelof. (laughs) Damien Brown just giving us a shout out. Feed the bear. That's all he said. And I felt that. I love it. That's all you need to say. That was awesome. We also got a comment on dvrpodcast.com, which you can go do to check out all our podcasts, from Wu Lee saying, wow, great episode. He felt that Mike is falling for Iris's long con. You got to give it to her, give her credit, pretending that all that abuse and sex got to her. In actuality, she is a spider. That's why Joseph the Russian told the strip joint owner not to mess with Iris. She will eat you alive. So that's a question we have. Still going mm. into this, it, it going into this uh, off season and from this finale, is do we b- really believe? I, I I felt like Milo was going to jump out his trunk at the end, but that's just me. Um, <laughs> I also want to thank Roslyn, who sent us an email and was wondering if we were going to be back because this episode was delayed. I was a bit under the weather. Thank you for waiting, everyone. And the final thing I want to say is. 
We got one more review on the old iTunes, but if you're listening to this podcast, it's the off season later, you're listening now, go ahead on to Spotify, Stitcher, iTunes, wherever Apple podcast, wherever you get that podcast and give us a five stars, give us a review, write something when you write it. It means a lot more, even if it's just great show, uh, cause we really do appreciate that. And hopefully we'll be back, uh, even stronger with more listeners, for season two. So that's all I got. I just want to do that little host check-in shit, but let's get to this um, episode. Like you already said, man, absolutely really amazingly continued this journey for us. And I was just happy that Kyle made it out. That was kind of the like main thing going into this episode that I was like really worried about was if Kyle's going to make it out. So I'm glad that Kyle made it out. Yeah, me too. And a hundred percent, I was the same way. Um, I mean, we found out that Ed and Kareem actually weren't killed. Right. Yep. That was one of the big things I put a star by, but uh, of course we'll talk about it, but Ed was executed. (laughs) Uh, Boy, that was crazy. But, you know, I kind of felt that was coming. The Kyle thing, they were setting it up. I, you know, as soon as he says, I, I took the new job, you know, they in the yeah, previous episode, they get jumped. And I'm just like, in, in, w- w- I mean, what a performance. I mean, he was scared. He was, he didn't turn into Rambo, you know, you know, it, Ian had to, he had to protect him, but he wasn't, you know, he wasn't like Rambo taking people out and he was ready to take a few with them, you know. And he, he knew he, I believe he felt he was going to die. Um, and until our, you know, Sawyer, Ryan, I didn't, is this the first time we found out Ryan's last name was Sawyer? That is like the funniest thing is the whole season, our favorite SWAT guy. We're like, what's his name again? Robert, right? Oh, Robert. Robert, And it turns out that it's Sawyer. As soon as they said it this time, I was like, no, I don't, I don't believe if they did, it was in passing and not like in a direct reference to him. So right. I think that now we that we're never going to forget that. No, no. So I, I, I was, I had watched the episode uh, earlier before it aired, and then I rewatched it with my wife, and she, when you know the thing is with her because this show's intense for her as well. I, it's okay to spoil her about who dies, because I I did the mistake when we first started dating and we were re watching some of game of thrones i was like oh this is going to be a surprise in season one and then something happens in season one um so and I, she she made a she she gave me that look like that is not a surprise i'm like it's exciting you didn't expect it but so I, when i told her that everyone you like will make it out of this she was very happy and it lessened the pressure for her um because we've gotten so attached to these characters, but like at any time someone can go. I mean, as we know, we're the first episode. So I, and I, I love Kyle is he, he's actually, believe it or not, one of my favorite characters. I really love the dynamic of him and what he's going through. And then, you know, and I have a question for you, Axel, when Miri, I know we're, we're kind of jumping around, but it's, it's kind of a sequential episode, but when Miriam, she, she, you know, she was even saying to, um, to, to, uh, Mike, Hey, you know, if, if he, if he dies, I, 
and you know, and she would stop herself. Like, is she going to blame him? Like I thought she was, or is she just going to lose it? But she couldn't say it. And I'm wondering, had Kyle died, would, would that have, would she have blamed Mike for it? Oh, definitely. She seems to blame. Right. Okay. Yeah. That's the feeling I got. Yeah. Definitely. Um, so I was just like, oh no, oh no. <laughs> so I, I, I just, again, Kyle, Kyle got out and I, and, and it's essential because we already lost one brother who, you know, we got over and the show became amazing. <laughs> you know, I'm like, I love some Kyle Chandler in my life, but you know, I know what, you know, they had to do it to set the tone for this show. Um, and I, I was surprised we never got him in a flashback or anything. Um, but it's okay. You yeah. know, we, we, we've gotten burnt before when we want certain flashbacks and shows and they'll get them. Yeah. I'm kind of, you know, I have to say that was something I was going to say too, that it was such a straight line. They didn't do any type of flashbacks like that or really in any way slow down None of the plots didn't end up affecting what happened in the finale. They all did, right? Like it was really, I have to say, this did give me that Breaking Bad later seasons vibe where it's like clockwork writing, where one thing knocks the next thing, the next thing, the next thing. And you see it leading all the way up into this little events that we have with the characters, right? Whether it was like what happened between P dog and Ed, like we knew the history behind that, right? Or that Carlos wasn't really in charge when he finds that out, the little touches that they added really built up to something. I mean, kind of spectacular, man. This episode was dramatically great. Amazing. And the tension, the way they shot it, it was great stuff, man. Fantastic stuff. And it was very believable, too. I like the way that we're thrust into the idea of who whose land is it? Who takes the prison? And then all of a sudden, like, <laughs> Mike looks over, and they're sneaking into the prison through the sewer system. I thought oh, that, that whole thing was amazing. Man, there was so much. Um but you know what? Let's let's try to do a little bit of uh, uh, kind of go through. I do have a bit of notes, okay. and then yeah. we'll kind of take it from the beginning and spend time on the things we want, or just if we've already talked about it, we can kind of blow past it. But we do this time. I did not fast forward, so okay. <laughs> uh, I did see Mike and Iris in the beginning, and of course, the whole time we're thinking, "Check your cell phone, dude!" Right? <laughs> yep. Uh, and that, that was, I like that they, they kind of started off with that and kind of kept us in that mood of where Mike was at, because unlike the last episode, we really are, I felt like so much of this was returning him to the front and we're really kind of seeing it through his eyes. Right. So I really appreciated that. Did you did you have anything to say about him 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 and Iris hanging out and when he all that kind of stuff getting over the hill? You no, know, it, it, it they did such a great way of you know when in the previous episode when he shows Iris this is my favorite part or whatever when the cell phone dies out and it's just it's so slow in the cabin 
and so just, you know, eating some, you know, toast with some jelly that made me want jelly and toast and just the calmness. And then when he goes back in the car and leaves, then all shit hits the fan. I, I love this shot, though, that we see of the smoke in a distance yeah. and the cabin yep. so we could see the distance. That was that was freaking phenomenal. Yeah. I just that little moment there, I was just like, it sucked me in. But no, I, I, I liked the Mike and Iris stuff. And, and you know, we'll, we'll talk as we go through, um, you know, the stuff Iris is going through, but like just her having to be alone. And I'm like, man, there's no TV. There's no. What, yeah. What, was, is she, what, what is she going to do? That's that's interesting. Right. Because she even said that she's like. I need something to work on or, and he was like, work on the next you, you know, the next your chapter, next, your next chapter. Right. it's like season yep. two, start writing season two. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's what he did. He, he, I didn't know it was cut. It was a deleted scene, but she's like, well, we are going to get renewed. It hasn't been officially announced. So why don't you yeah. start writing what you think your character with? Yeah. I like that. And I think they, they did really well. The whole messages, to turning on the radio, calling Miriam, like you said, her reaction to everything when it gets so hectic. But he stays so cool, doesn't he, Mike? He stays so you know, cool. He, he he does. And you, you can tell how his mind and his body deal with stress. You can see it. But yet he doesn't like when Mitch died and he did that loud scream and he went crazy when he was driving. To go back to the first episode, yeah, yeah. I think that was the last time or the only time we really seen him. Even when he took out the white supremacist, he was calm. Yep. He was like a trained assassin. It was almost like he, Jeremy Renner did a Bourne movie or something. I mean, it just felt, oh, wait, he did. That um, was my favorite Bourne movie, by the way. I love it. Oh. Great, might have, most, um, um, I can't speak right. Great motorcycle stunts in that movie. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I I really liked that Bourne one. I you know I love Maddie Damon and all, but um, I, I I really liked that one as well. Um, so it, it just like it. I mean, a poor guy. He's gonna have a stroke or a heart attack, but he can <laughs> at any point with all the stress he's under. But yeah, no, he, he you know, it, it just it, it got me because they set it up so well with him being off the grid and then he had to go back to work mode or life mode or whatever you want to call it. And it was just like, I'm like, Mike, get there. Come on. We got to get Kyle out of the prison. Any end. Exactly. That's what I was feeling. <clears throat> and then when he does get there, we, he, we have that whole power struggle we were talking about, but Sawyer, our man really takes control there. And oh yeah. I love that too, because when, when we remember when he first showed up, we're like, what's this guy really there for, you know? And mm -hmm. I think at one point I was like, oh, he's going to do something really crazy or stupid, but it really turns out that he's like, he's the attack dog and he's really became a reliable person for Mike. And for everyone around him, even though, I mean, obviously he's a cold-blooded killer, but the dude, when he needs to, he just takes control and everyone listens to him. You know, when he gets the cell phone thing worked out, which I oh, hadn't yeah. thought about. I didn't either. 
I, I was just, that's the thing about this show, Axel. They like ramming down a door and someone opens it while they're ramming. I've never seen that. You know, it just never has happened in a show that I can, that I've seen. And I've watched a lot of TV, just like little things like that to attention to detail with that cell phone jamming thing. So the prisoners can't contact. He's just like, well, we got a guy inside, you know, we got two officers inside. We, you know, but it's like the little things that you learn, even like back to the execution and the first execution we saw, how, you know, it wasn't that long, but it felt very long and it was intense and it showed you every step, not just a quickie. Um, it, it just, I, that's what I love about this show. They take the time to organize and show all the great details you need to know and do it in such a great way that you, you know, you feel like, like personally, we've seen a lot of TV and film. I really felt like I learned a lot. Yeah. In this show. I agree. You know, like, you know what I mean? A lot of shows, you know, you watch whatever. Okay. I know that's, I just felt like if I, if I was back in film school or acting school or something, you know, I w- watching this, I, I felt very educated. Um, and I can't say that about a lot of shows, to be honest. The Wire was, of course, one of our favorite shows. That was the same way I felt like an education, learning about a certain society. And, you know, this one, it just, uh, really hit home with me. Yeah, man, definitely. And I think that this show really had something to say through teaching us, right? Like there was mm-hmm. a point of view, um, something that Perry said to me, my wife, when we were, after we were done watching it, she she was just like, this show has so much to say about like masculinity and power and how men take power out on each other. And right. it really does. And I mean, that's essentially, you know, we're going to get to it after they, after the police get the cell phone service back, they're able to contact, they tell him not to contact Kyle. And then he's like, have your fucking <laughs> cell phone on mute, on mute, right on silent. Again, a little detail like that. I love Axel. that. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yep. That's yep. exactly what I'm saying. And the fact that he's smart, because I never have my phone on. Um, I have my, well, I have my wife's phone to override that, but I never have it on. I mean, I check it, but I, I just, I, I don't even have it on vibrate. I just, I look at it when I look at it. If I see I missed an important call, I'll go back to it because we're always checking our phones. But like, it was so nice in that situation. It was smart enough to have it off because how many yeah. times actually the cleaner, <laughs> I hate to bring up the cleaner again, but she's, she witnesses a murder. She's hiding. And then of course her phone goes off. You know, oh, and it's I like, oh, God, if you're, you know, shut your phone off anyway. Yeah. No, that was cool. <laughs> That's I like that. He just said that little line. And then so they figure out where they are. They're going to bust in there. Um, uh, Robert Sawyer, the beast. And <laughs> the way they get in there, like I said, I already mentioned it, but it was so cool the way he's just Mike sitting there. I think he's smoking a cigarette. and He's like looking out. And then he sees this little thing come down and then all of a sudden we're there inside. It's pulling up. They're climbing down into mm. the sewer. That was super awesome. Um, uh. But then Mike gets kind of roped into being the inmate advocate. And this was something that I wanted to talk about. And it was, it was, it, it broke me just for out of everything for just a second. Cause I started thinking about season two at this point 
which <laughs> right. was when they read Mike his Miranda rights, and then that was the state police. And they he says, why are you doing this? He says, well, I consider if you are an inmate advocate, and he knows also that he's an FBI informant, he t- tells him, I consider you must be a criminal too if they trust you. And so right. he reads Mike as Miranda. He says, if they say anything, it's going to come back to you. Now, I don't know how much they were listening to, but P-Dog or really Carlos, it was in front of them all when they eventually speak to him, didn't say anything that incriminates Mike. Carlos didn't, but did P-Dog, was Mike miked? I just, I felt like that was, they took so much time for that that it felt to me like this is something we're going to come back to. Hmm. Yeah, that's interesting because the first thing I was thinking of, okay, what are they going to say that to incriminate him? And nothing on the, you know, when they're in the, the tent yeah. and, and doing the call and they witness it. But like when he goes to talk to him, I assume, so do we think he was Mike? Could they hear everything in there or no? I mean, I don't know. It would It would seem to me if they were that at a certain point they weren't, you know, that when everyone started firing, they're not concentrating on that any longer. Right. But it would make sense that they would mic him. Wouldn't it? I mean, why it read him would. his rights and go through all that shit? And they're, and they're, they're worried about what he might say, blah, blah. I would figure that they'd mic him also. So he knows that whatever he says they can hear. Yeah. That's interesting because, because the snipers just had a visual. They didn't, the snipers didn't have it mic'd. It would have been at base camp. And I, you know, I don't know. I, I, I don't know. You would think he was, but he never, you know, you, you would, you would think when he's hiding under the bench, when the, you know, the shooting starts, he's like, guys, get me out of here. Or he would say something or he would disconnect it. I could see Mike doing that. I don't know, but that's a great, at least leave that open for blowback for season two. Yeah. Uh, so that, that is interesting, but it doesn't feel like as much was said to incriminate him so much. I mean, you could really pick it apart, but we can, cause we know the story. I just wonder if they, if they even bother to go back and go through the audio or if someone and all the craziness that, was just yeah. like, you know, so that, I mean, that's something that it's it, for season two preview. Uh, you know, jot that down in our notes uh, before season two. Will that come back to haunt them? I could just um, imagine like we get a scene when they're like, they're going through all this shit and they're like, oh, what's that? And they're like, oh, that's when Mike was talking to the guys in the yard. And then they go through it and they're like, oh shit, you know, or something. Yeah. They make a connection. <laughs> but I'm, I don't know that he said anything that was really. I don't think so. You know, he did talk about when he eventually where they get through the whole thing of he figures out, like I said, that Carlos is not the leader. It was good to see Carlos again though. Cause we were wondering yeah. what he was. And I think it was important for Carlos to be there too, because we had that whole scene of the dogs being taken out and the dog's balls being taken out off. Right. While Carlos. So it brought us closer to what the eventual, reveal of what they want is and what they really wanted was just revenge, right? They wanted the cops to watch 
what they were going to do, kill the guards, take over the prison, embarrass them. You know, it really had all to do with what, just like what we saw with Carlos and the dog, taking away their manhood, their pride, their dignity, any Mm -hmm. reason for them to want to live. Yeah, no. And, 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 you know, and during it, when P dogs, like, you know, with Ed, he ain't, he ain't, this guy ain't making it out yeah. no matter what. And I was just like, oh boy, you know, cause you know, it's funny. Cause when Mike walks away, when they're talking before, you know, um, P dog, uh, kills Ed, uh, he's just like, I'm working on it. You know, he doesn't like feel like anything's going to happen at that point. He probably thought this was going to be a long negotiation, whatever. Yeah. And then it just goes out of control. And, and that's the one thing I don't think Mike really foresaw. I just, I, I really, do you think he really thought P-Dog would do it then? Or was he, because he, the way he was walking away, it was just kind of like, I did. Okay, I'll be back. I, I, I was thinking that. I, I just, I, I think that. Well, of course you would. I mean, you're, <laughs> you're, you're F dog. <laughs> I'm on the streets, baby. Um, I, I, it felt to me the entire time that Mike was inside the prison and in the yard before the gun started ringing out that he did not understand how far it had gone. And that's a, that was one thing that surprised me a little bit because it's Mm -hmm. like he understood that before and he was telling Ed and the the guard, and he was even telling Kyle at one point, like this gone too far. It's going to erupt. But I guess he had to kind of keep calm. You know what I mean, Heath? So I think he kind of, it was a possibility, but I, but I think he was hoping after talking with P-Dog that he was able to kind of, okay, I listened to you, right? But we're mm-hmm. still going to, like you said, we're still going to keep talking. And just to quickly, to go back to the incriminating thing, the one thing he may have said was for when he mentioned taking out that boy for you. Right. So that part could eventually get <clears throat> Mike or the other guards, right? And the cops who were involved yeah. in trouble. But I don't know that it was enough, you know? Yeah. And I don't know if, I, I, you know, I, I apologize. I, I can't remember this detail and I wish I did. When he said that, was he saying that to Mike? Yes, he was standing. Oh, he was. He okay. Said, he said, what's this all about? And he goes, you know what this is about, right? right. And he mentions that, but then he continues on. And that's when he mentions the things I had mentioned before, taking away our dignity. You know, now you're going to watch as we do this, mm-hmm. basically mm-hmm. execute everyone. And yeah. he doesn't get an opportunity. I mean, he takes Ed out and the shot they got was fantastic the way he shoot we get it from his end. and when they turn around mike's there and he pulls back towards the camera as the blood goes and brains oh, yeah. go on it it was just man it's great this for so much a lot of fight a lot of gun shit in this and it looked really realistic and brutal too because a lot of times when a lot of guns are going off like this it becomes like matrix style where it's just mm. like, you know, it just seems, or like John Wick, where it just seems like bullets don't hit anyone and every, you know what I mean? 
Yeah, it's like before Saving Private Ryan. I don't think I've ever seen yeah. a war movie where yep. you go underwater and still get shot. A yes. lot of movies, you went underwater, you were safe. Uh, <laughs> you know, but oh, but yeah, because forget um, the, oh, the sound yeah. <laughs> too, man. And seeing that in the theater, yeah. wow. Oh boy, oh yeah, that's wow. What an experience. Because I also I was thinking too when Mike was talking, I'm like, is he trying to buy time to get his brother and Ian out? <laughs> like, not that it would reflect it but because you know there's other people in the prison but i just felt like almost that if people were distracted more maybe maybe less people looking for them maybe but i guess I think it doesn't so. really matter no i think but you're it, right i think he was trying to buy time <clears throat> for that but he was just also <clears throat> generally just trying to buy time right to settle right right, right right yeah yeah because because i kept thinking i'm trying to you know a lot of times with the show you know you get lost and i'm trying to try to think how mike thinks you know, uh, back to when he was trying to figure out how Milo thinks this isn't, isn't like him. You know, he's he, like we said, he's a psycho, he's a psychopath, but he he's not he doesn't do it this way. And, you know, and, and so I'm always trying to get in the heads of everyone, uh, you know, so a little like uh, Robert Gorn and Lauren Order, Criminal Intent, little D'Onofrio tilting my head to you, Axel, right now I'm tilting my head <laughs> while I'm interrogating you like you used to do. Anyway, Sancho. Oh, sorry. I was thinking about Milo. Uh, that's the next <laughs> Milo, thing. when I was young, mm-hmm. I used to call your name. Oh, okay. damn. So, so like your diamond. We get, we see Milo again. He's breaking into lockers. He puts on a guard's uniform. And as soon as he did that, let's just jump ahead. Milo gets out. Right? What? Like, I, as, I didn't see that part. <laughs> as soon as it happens... He puts that uniform on. There was just no question that he was going to find a way to get out of the prison. As far as we know, I mean, we see him walk away, but it was, you know, a little bit there. And my, I want to bring up that my wife said to me, I think you're giving Milo too much credit and um, that he didn't really plan all of this and all. And I'm not so sure he planned all of it, but. I recently have been watching this show called Game of Thrones. And in Wait, it, what? Yeah, have you heard about it? Well, we used to call it Game of the Thrones. Oh, that's right. Game <laughs> of the Thrones. That's true. Game of the Thrones. But I'm just past um, another person dying in that show. But before that, his old character uh, gives a speech about chaos being a ladder, right? Which is basically mm-hmm. the idea is... When things are chaotic, you can use that to your advantage. And I think Mm. in the end, that is what happened with Milo. He did have touches here and there, though, I think, that helped to push something like this along. And But I'm not so sure. I think P-Dog, I think Carlos, other people were involved too, but I don't know how much Milo was involved but then as as I start speaking it out, I start thinking he probably was more involved. <laughs> they, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I'm thinking that he, he always, you know, the color of the keys. I think he's always in tune to what's going on. And mm-hmm. if opportunity happens, I will be ready. Yeah. Not that he's saying, you know, you know what I mean? I don't know. I don't think it was directly affiliated, but how we talked about, he knew shit was going on in the prison. It was stirring up, so he was just prepared in case something did happen. Um, but one thing I love, again, 
attention to detail. How many times have we seen someone try to get a prison guard or some sort of uniform and it fits perfectly? The first one doesn't fit. That and he goes great. to another locker. That little thing, again, amen, that little detail got me excited because it makes it more real. It's, it's hard because you don't, you, you know, you can't think of everything, but the show knows how to do that <laughs> just about. And I love that little detail. I mean, how many, I mean, I wonder if Taylor sits there and be like, okay, how many times have I seen a show? All of a sudden he has an accent now. <laughs> He's on Yellowstone. How I've seen, yeah. How, you know, you've seen just, you know, people change and then they go, you know, they, oh, that, that'll fit. It just happens to fit. And the guy's like five inches taller than you, that you, you know, but I love the fact that he had to find a shirt that fit. That was great. And the thing about it is not only does that show a touch of reality, but it's they allow for those beats to further uh, illustrate his character. He's being calm, right? He's mm-hmm. ch- he's bra- he breaks it open. Even the way he he uses his stomach, he puts it into his stomach and like opens it. I think it just allows us even that those little moments with him to learn more about him. Right. And I think right. when you can do both of those things at once, you're accomplishing it because you can only imagine that someone's in the editing room going, we got to cut this much time or this, maybe not so much with streaming, you know, um, but they do sell these shows overseas. And that's why they, they have like mm. built in breaks. Like if you're watching right. it, even without the commercials, but I think you're right. Those that those little details um, are awesome. Now, a detail I wanted to ask you is: I initially thought when Ian and Kyle are in the basement and they're crouched down, and he's like, "Breathe, man, breathe." Was he having a panic attack, or had he been kicked in? Like his ribs were broken, and he literally couldn't breathe, or was it maybe a little I, bit of both? Well, I think. Yeah, because the way he he had been walking, it looked like his ribs were kicked in. But I think it might be both because the first thing I thought was panic attack, you know, because at that why at that moment. But I think it probably heightened under the situation and that, you know, he got it. The shit kicked, not knocked out of him. The shit kicked, knocked out of him. No, that the shit kicked out of him. Okay, and and so that's a good that's a good point. I assume panic attack, but. Um, I don't, I don't remember, uh, anything that he, you know, evidently when you have a panic attack, it could be the first time you have it. So you don't have to have it before, but I think just with the heightened stress of everything and the condition and how probably dehydrated he is, um, or maybe the red bull in the eyes, man, that was one of the side effects. That's true too. That's what it is. And he got beat up and the red bull too. (laughs) And the red bull, the, 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 um, the gay, you know, the pepper spray is also affects your breathing too. But I think I'm just wondering because it made me think when they eventually did find him, when, you know, they're about, they're about to get shot. And then all of a sudden, cause, but he's hyperventilating and like, (gasps) you know, and then they hear them. So it kind of gives them away and then they get saved by Sawyer and the crew. So I was thinking just at that moment, because I mean, you know, the reason why Kyle was going to leave here, it's dangerous and he's going to go be a cop somewhere else. It just, it would say something to him and maybe 
next season might deal with him having like PTSD from this or having further panic attacks. Like this really affected him in a different way that maybe he's not as strong as he thought he was, you know, in these situations. Cause I'd think that of course, Ian's going to be there for him and he carries him the whole freaking way. Um, right. Cause he had to write the episode as well, but <laughs> him the whole way and it didn't really become a thing, but it did lessen, right? Like it wasn't like they were like, get this man to the ambulance. He kind of started breathing more and going. So that I think maybe it was a panic attack. Yeah. And I, I kind of think it was, yeah, that could have maybe, you know, I don't know. I'm just trying to think of if you're a cop and that happens, you know, just the, the same way that Sawyer bent down and said to him, you know, he's like, let's leave, let's leave. And he's like, nah, man, if we don't go in there and take the, these people out, you're going to regret it the rest of your life that we didn't do yeah, this. That was a good moment. But Kyle didn't seem too convinced. <laughs> no, just- no. He's like, Fuck, screw that. I'd rather get out of here. Yeah, I'll worry about that later. Yeah. Because um, he stopped again and said to Ian, like, what the fuck are we doing? <laughs> yeah. 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 It was stupid. Like. I was thinking it too. I was like, go, just go the other way. Go back up the thing. You're injured. You know, you're not even helping them, but I know. And what a difference. I mean, it, 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 you know, especially in movies and TV, we see like a group of guys with guns say, well, like, Oh, they're going to take everyone out. Well, you know, the prison guards, they weren't trained for it. They didn't have the right tools. They just got taken out overrun, but that SWAT team, you're just like, there's no way anyone's messing with them. Yes. They're, they're just they have they have the experience they have the firepower and, and i mean they're like moving in the right way they're not they're just precise and they don't hesitate it's like hey asshole or whatever and he shoots the guy making that was making you know a shank or a sword or whatever the heck um you know it's just <laughs> they don't they don't give a hoot but they're so like i would have been like that's probably the safest place to be right now is in between them yeah I, I, honestly <laughs> you know? I agree with you. I There was not one moment that I thought that we were going to get into a situation where like one of them gets hit or Sawyer gets hit. I was like, oh no, these guys are like, like they're murderizing anyone in front of, they're not shooting them once. They're shooting them like 300 times, you know, yeah. they're just trained to kill, right? Like that's that they don't fuck around. Even when the guy when they knock on the, like the underground thing and he opens it up and looks down and then they just oh keep my on gosh. shooting them. Right. What a shot. That they're was, not taking actual. a chance, you know? Oh, that was that, that, yeah. Oh my God. When he opened up and gets lit up, I was like, that's incredible. Like the shot just that, that, that really stuck out to me as well. What yeah. a great shot that was. It was crazy, man. So basically, I mean, we had, we had kind of gotten up to the point um, where we kind of went down underground. So let's pick it up. When they come out, we had gone past the whole guard, the whole uh, shooting in the um, the whatchamacallit. Help me out here, Solo. The, shooting in the, the bathroom. The, the uh, You know what I'm talking about. The, the, the yard yes thank you the or, yard yeah, the yard okay we had, I was go, like, we had gone past the that ground because we had gone like, back into the prison but let's go back okay we, i want to go back i need some air yeah baby who me too i know man the prison and vienna sausages yeah. i can't that's the thing i think about is not i mean i i would i think i would 
wouldn't even be comfortable just walking next to a prison, walking through just like to look at it and the situation, the stress, they really played that out so well. It made me think of Kyle. Oh, I know. Um, and, and, and also the way that Mike deals with it. And they show that when P dog walks back, takes out Ed, and then all of a sudden all the national guard guys just start taking everyone out in the whole yard, Mike jumps underneath that weight bench and the look on his face, it's so strange. Sometimes it looked like he was going to cry. Sometimes it looked like he was laughing. It was just like he, Jeremy Renner can do a lot, man. He really brought me into that. Just like the way he was like pulling his arms back and hiding under there, all mm-hmm. the gunfire that was going on. And we get to see depressed guard Ernie again, just walks out there. (laughs) It's like, it's my post. Yeah, it's my post. Now, I I was surprised that that National Guardman was so brutal with him. But then again, look at the situation there. And I don't know. Look at this. Yeah. He might not know if he's with the with the inmates or not or something. You know what I mean? Like, because he yeah, because he even says, you know, you're you're, you're relieving your post leave. And then he wouldn't. And he freaking went a little too crazy but i guess the adrenaline the machismo (laughs) took over but because this guy just wasn't listening uh but again he doesn't know how crazy he is we do i guess this is the reason why they showed about his home life and him being so unhappy the only thing he had left was his job was his post that that's all he had left that was his and that was taken away and so he just freaking lost it. And that's why, yep. I mean, you look at his home life, you look at, you know, the crap he's eating, has to eat, you know, it's just, this guy was just, you know, he was just trying to hold on to whatever manhood he had left. And he, he was castrated and it was taken away from him and he just, he freaking lost it. Yeah. And, you know, so, and I cause he that- would have, cause, Oh, sorry, real quick. I was just worried cause they weren't shooting yet. I don't think the guards, there was a ceasefire and they're trying to figure out what's going on. And then he, he was going to start shooting, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so that would have screwed things up at that moment there. So I, you know, I don't blame the, I mean, I don't blame the guard the uh, or the uh, um, coast, uh, the uh, national, what is it? National guard. Yeah. National guard, the way he acted because one shot and it screws the whole thing up. But I mean, it might've been a little too much, but he, you know, he had to do it. I mean, it almost wouldn't have made a difference, right? In the end, well, yeah. everybody started getting shot up anyway. But yeah, it. I think those that scene at his home and the one scene was worth it. You think about they might just throw that character in there, but we got to have a little bit of time with him and learn about him, and that made that little event that happens during all this that much more meaningful. And then when he wakes up and takes out like two national guardsmen and then eventually gets killed himself. I wonder too, if in season two, we'll kind of come around back to that. And that'll be something like where he'll become like a folk hero that he was taken out by the national guard. You could only imagine the way the world is now too, that this could become some kind of conspiracy theory or something strange that happened while this was all going on that people don't understand. Um, but I think it was kind of cool that they set that up. I imagine in 
some alternate multiverse, there's like a whole series about this guy, you know? Yeah, you know, and and this is the type of storyline that would have got edited out probably yeah, of definitely. a movie. But in a TV show, you you can you can you have more time and you can play with some more characters. And it just showed you that not every one of these guards has the perfect life and they focused on him and it actually made you if you're, you know, most viewers nowadays are pretty smart and they're they're into their shows that you know, you're waiting. I mean, some p- people may not be like, oh, that's the guy. But I mean, we I mean, you kind of can't forget it with what happened with his son and his wife. You can't forget this guy. But I, I think I, but I might have had to tell my wife, oh, that's the guy. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Because, you know, sometimes you lose yourself and, you know, we, we go we go through it, at, you know, in detail and we, we, we pick up on this stuff because that's what we do. Uh, I wonder if the casual viewer probably knew who he was. I would think because it had been a few episodes in between. Yeah, his kind of episodes. Yeah, yeah. So, so I don't know. You know, be interesting. Like even with to bring back Game of Thrones, the casual Game of Thrones viewer don't remember every detail. And even like in season two, the characters were confusing, and it took me some time. You know, so I'm wondering if if people. I mean, just like this is my post, and he flips out, but. I believe that I'm with you by showing his backstory. It, it made it more powerful yep, and more like, Oh my God, he's going to crack. What is he going to do? Cause we were doing that for episodes. When is he going to crack? When is he going to crack? You know? Yep. And it, it, and it didn't, it turned out that he did crack, but in a totally different way. But right, the one that makes right. total sense along the lines that you're saying is the same thing that P Dog Carlos has been talking about. And even if you see the way that Ed acted towards the prisoners, it's like, did this guy have a family or like this is your life? You know what I mean? You are then a prisoner too. And I think yeah. that it was it, it, it plays into the whole discussion that they had in the very beginning where the state guys like the 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 governor wants to do this or whatever. He's like, well, you just rent it from us, <laughs> right? Like, right. Oh, owned. Yeah. You lease it. We own it. So it's our job. And then the guards want to do something. They're like, you don't. You're you only deal with inmates that don't have guns. What are you talking about? Right. Everyone just handicapping each other instead of working together. And it all comes down to the revenge, right? Like we've been talking about. Is Mike a criminal? Is he a good guy? Is he a bad guy? In the end, the show literally labels him as a criminal, right? He's read his Miranda rights in the final episode of this season. Literally, yeah. Yeah. So he is, it's like been decided for us. They're telling us he's on the side of the criminals. Uh, But in the end, what does that do for him? Nothing, you know, he, all the criminals got taken out. We lose Carl. Well, we see Carlos get shot. He doesn't die though. Um, I think P dog is pretty dead. Yeah. I was waiting for him to wake up. If it was a diehard movie, <laughs> he would have woke up and, but, you know, but yeah, you know, and that's the thing with, uh, I mean, we, there's so many questions heading into season two, like what is going to be the state of affairs in Kingstown after this? You know, it may be, a time pass. I wonder if they'll do like a year. It's been a year. You know, you'll see a reporter. Oh, you know, it's been a year since the riots. It's the anniversary. I don't today, know. I feel like we pick up pick right up. I want to. Yeah. Like no, the show I, I'm hoping does that, you know? Yeah, no, I think they will. Um, 
sometimes you'll get shows that do that and it's kind of like a letdown. Um, but you know, hopefully they'll just continue it. And again, no bunny, bunny, no bunny, had an, yep. what, no bunny, which was interesting. And, um, again, I was, I lo- love that character, but yeah, no, I, you know, it, it, well, it really depends when, if they, if it is going to be, cause this was released in November of this year, 2021 or last year, cause we're in the new year. So um, it's probably, I would assume come out around the same time. So, uh, you know, if it was two or three years, they did a season two, maybe you would have that passage of time. Um, but I am with you. I don't think they will. And I hope they don't because I, I want I would love to see the chaos, it being a ladder and all, I would like to see it all. What's going to happen. Yeah. Play um, out right afterwards. Right. Like how it directly yeah. affected everyone. I feel like they set up enough stuff that we kind of have to return that way. Well, and then Milo, how far is Milo going to get? Yep. You know what I mean? So that's another thing. I mean, so, you know, that that's going to be interesting. And, and were you upset that they didn't tie up the Milo thing? I mean, it was no. only going to be, a, they couldn't have, they would have had to kill him to tie it up, really. Not at all. To- I mean, not, it, it, but you're exactly right. We still don't know what, if there's, if where that other money is buried, maybe that's where he's going, what his plan you know, if this was the end of his plan, as far as Mike is concerned and Iris, there's a lot of questions. And also the, I, I still think that there's the history that, you know, we don't know between what may have happened, uh, with Mitch and Milo in the past. So I think that I, I think we might get, this might be the type of thing where Milo is a much bigger part of next season and we see a lot of the character and the actor plays a bigger part in the series. Mm-hmm. And then we get a kind of Mike versus Milo thing going on directly instead of indirectly the way it was. Um, but there were a couple other things we, like you said, we didn't see bunny. And the last time we saw bunny, he was just kind of lying to Mike saying, Oh, everything's cool. You know, everything's yeah, cool. Yeah. But we know that bunny knew this was going to happen. And was and, right. and probably took part. And also, if this was what was happening inside the prison, were things also happening on the streets? Because they kept on talking about how it'll leak out onto the streets. So yeah, we don't know about that either. If it will, if more stuff will happen outside, we did get to return. And I went back and watched that scene. I'm I, man, I, I'm glad. Uh, I'm I'm sad. I skipped it because that was pretty cool. <laughs> But we get yeah. we go back to the two officers investigating at the scene of the uh, Nazi stronghold, and they find Mike the cell phone with Mike's number on it. But that's not going to be evidence because that's his boy. So he throws because our boy Stevie acid. throws it in the ass. Yeah. Um, I, I, that whole time was like, oh shit, Mike's going to be in trouble. But he's just like, no, it gets into evidence. Weren't into the acid. <laughs> the guy's like, what are Dude, you doing? And he's like, what did I do? <laughs> so you would do that for me. I, I, I have to say there's only a few people, but you would do that for me. You like oh. the solos numbers on here and as, and the talk shoe number, it's going to link him. <laughs> <laughs> of course. But that was, that was a cool little scene because that was again, bringing us, I, I, I there were a couple of them. Cause we also went to Iris, I think two times and you'd think they wouldn't want to leave the prison, but 
the tension was still there when we got back. You know, they had built it up enough. Yeah, they bought that from us. They like we were. I was like, okay, I, I'm in on this. I want to get back to the prison, but I also. I like it that they showed them coming to this place and looking at the cleanup job. And they mentioned this is so professional, right? So yeah, it's not a, it's not a cookhouse. Nope. Um, they meant, so I'm just wondering why were the white supremacists cleaning up? I mean, we've mentioned this, that maybe, you know, where I, I had, um, cause you hadn't seen the, the teaser cause you fast forwarded, but like, and I was trying to figure out, okay, why are they cleaning up? But maybe they have incriminating stuff there, whatever, but it was just, it was, it was strange because they got taken out. Someone had to know there was something that, you know, they got, they all got shot there. Like there's a lot of pieces that I don't quite understand uh, why they, why their own people would be cleaning it up. I mean, it just, it, it just, to me, it speaks to Milo like closing loose ends. And these were part of the people who were part of, oh, you this. think it was Milo's people? Yeah. Cause it, Oh, Miles people. Oh, yep. okay. Yeah, that's why I said last uh, episode. When you described it to me, I was like, I bet you it's Milo. Oh, yeah, you up. did. Yeah, just. Yeah, mm-hmm. and I, I guess I couldn't get my head, wrap my head around that. That uh, makes yeah, me probably... think of Bunny, and that's what I'm saying. Like, what other stuff was part of this plan that he had to clean up? He had right. To clean up those guys, they knew too much. And, uh, and uh, I mean. No, well, now wait. Would, because. Okay, my question is then, were they were they sending a team there to take them out, or did they stumble upon ah, the deck? Because how okay. did Milo know okay. already? That well, that might killed everyone. That depends on what I was when I was saying. Like they needed to be taken. Like we had kind of theorized perhaps this was part of the deal, and Mike was being used to take them out. You know, so he could have. So perhaps whatever evidence right. was there, Milo had it on Mike. So he could say to him, you know, get the money or do this deal or give me back Iris or whatever. Or maybe they were going to p- clean up and plan it like he, like the phone, his, you know, the phone with his number maybe in he it. He beat him to it. <laughs> you know yeah. I mean? Like, yeah, that's another thing. Or it's just that. Yeah, they got there. They saw what was happening, and or someone saw, or someone was there and es- and escaped and told them, and they were like, right. "Well, Milo was like, I just got to clean this place because I don't know what could be there. I don't want hmm. this getting back to me in some way." Or yeah, there's be. one other, there's one other thing. FB, oh. Could it be the FBI? Could you know what I mean? Could it be the higher up in a government? We saw that though that. We really haven't there. The FBI Mm. people got taken out and there wasn't much more we saw except for that one meeting in the office when they mentioned it. So could it have something to do with that, that they're covering up for Mike because they want him to continue to find out what happened or they're in with Milo or I don't know, man, this show has a way to surprise you. So, yeah, there's got to be a reason why they showed it again. I mean, it didn't feel like it was to tie it up. I mean, yeah. I mean, we knew Stevie would, you know, protect Mike like that. I mean, what he did. Okay. That shows that again, that, you know, people do have his back. Uh, You know, when he mentions it to Carlos, like, you know, but I I just, yeah, I'm still don't know uh, what I want. I'm like really racking my brain and I can't really figure out. It still doesn't make a little sense to me, but all the options do. 
I just, I guess I want to know which option it was and we may never get it. I don't know. I just, I just what, you know, or maybe they were just, you know, they're going to bury the bodies and they decide to clean any evidence up. Maybe they tell, you know, I don't know. I, there's so many different things we could speculate. And I know it's not a huge point uh, of, of this episode, but it, there's a reason why that scene was there. Yeah, definitely. Oh, I think it'll play into the overall yeah, future. S- yeah. The overall arc of everything. Yeah. yeah. What's going on. You know, on. maybe Milo shows up there. I don't know when he's, he hides out. I don't know. He probably wouldn't now, but like, I just, I'm like, all these things are going around my head. Stop me now, Axel. I, I can't, I, I'm going, I'm going crazy. Well, we'll find out, man. That That's, that's why this whole episode felt very much to me, like they knew they were going to get another season or they're writing it yeah. for the story to continue. And I was very happy about that uh, because in the, in a situation like this, they could try to kind of wrap everything up and then they have to kind of restart it. Like you were saying for another season, but in the way it is now, they could just keep on going with this story. Yeah. They have, they don't need to change anything or retcon anything for us. The elements are there. Um, but we kind of, we got to the end, which is Mike kind of crawls out from under at the same time we see Sawyer and, and Kyle and Ian bust through the doors, come into the yard. You just love calling them Sawyer now. I love I it. I do. I do. And, and uh, <laughs> Ryan Sawyer or yeah. not Ryan. I keep calling him Ryan. Robert Sawyer. Robert Sawyer. I like Bob's that. Bob. Bob. Bob Sawyer. Wait, Robert Sawyer. That's the guy who wrote Flash Forward. Yeah, there you go. I think uh, Alcatraz, too. Yeah, Um, Robert J. Sawyer. Alcatraz. No, the book. The guy who actually wrote the book. That's his name, Robert Sawyer. That was a good book, too. But it, too, did not have a plausible uh, idea as well. Yeah, it had holes like a kitchen sponge, you know? Anyway, they all get out. They see Miriam. She hugs them. What a moment. They're so dirty. Kyle's all broken down. Mike goes, sits on his car, and it was that was another cute little thing, too, that really draws you in, where he opens the door, and then he looks back, and he sees all of those trucks blocking him. <laughs> <laughs> so he just goes and sits on his roof. But then he finally makes it back, and we get the final scene of this episode, which was kind of just a, a little scene. Oh, with, real quick? Yes. Real quick? I just want to point out the, you know, of course... Kyle breaking down and Mike's just saying, don't do this here. You know, there's going to be a time and a place, you know, but then when a Miriam's hugging them, you see the difference. When you see both their faces, you see the guard that's up with Mike where he just doesn't show any emotion. He's there. He wants to give in, but yet he's got that wall up and Kyle's like the baby, baby boy who's just losing it with mom. And I think for once Miriam finally, you know, even though she has her thing with Mike, she may not even like Mike, <laughs> but at that point she did not, you know, she was glad to have both her boys alive. Yeah. And I thought that was a nice moment that didn't have to show. It didn't have, we didn't have to have long dialogue from Diane Weist about how she loves, you know, it, it was there. She, she, it almost like when he, she, it almost felt like she was going to hug Kyle only, but she kind of, Hugs them both. <laughs> it I was kind of like almost a little too. hesitation, right? But the, what you describe is brilliant because you're right. Kyle melts into her. He he seems oh mom, but Mike is still the same, and right. that's that that Prison, shows man. you 
the difference between them, right? And why too right. maybe that Miriam has that love and affection to Kyle and lives with Kyle, but then she doesn't even want to fucking be around Mike and is ready to blame everything on him. Yeah. It would have been nice to get some more scenes between uh, or scenes between Mitch and Miriam. I would have loved to see the way they act. Yeah. That's a great you point. Know? That would have I, I really that. would like to seen that dynamic. I would have thought he would she would almost be not be able to resist his charm, you know, the way Kyle Chandler is too. Yeah, I would And I bet you he was a good go between when she's bitching about yeah, Mike. Yep. Mom, relax, he's been through a lot. And that and and with him gone, that broke down that middleman. And so because they probably avoided that the big conversations. You know, we had a little of them this season. We see their relationship, but you can almost tell they hadn't had a talk in a while. You know, and it, it took Mitch getting killed for them to start, or at least for her to start trying to chip away. Uh, you know, so that that that's a great point. I love that. Uh, that would that would have been nice, but you know, we shall see. You can't always get what you want. But well, when you go to the cabin, when, and Mike retains that same stoicness because when he returns to Iris in the cabin, this is all Iris. He, she's not like, Hey, how was your day? And he's like, I just got through a fucking prison riot. My brother almost died. I saw all these motherfuckers get shot. Yeah. No, you, got, you remember the champagne. Yeah, remember the champagne? He, he remembered the champagne. He, he just closes that. Doop. Okay. Iris, I'm with you now. And we enter Iris world. And even though what she says about uh, what they did to me, took a part of me that I'll never get back. I'll never be whole again. But then she says, perhaps there's a way to grow back parts of your soul. Mike seems to really kind of not just want to leave everything away when he's with her. And right. It does feel like a little bit like the spider web, but I want to believe it's not. But something in me is saying this is kind of perfectly setting up him being able to be manipulated by her even with this hard exterior she seems to be the only one that he wants to live in this kind of emotion with and he accepts it you know but he didn't really say anything himself yeah it was really about you know really about her yeah and, you know and and we're constantly because we believe joe the russian <laughs> we're constantly wondering okay it, you know, what's her game? Is she still doing the long con? But we get that scene when she's alone with the bear and the bear comes back because we've got to feed the bear mm-hmm. and, you know, her grabbing the knife and being scared and she's feeling so trapped no matter where she goes, there's someone or something bigger to keep her at bay. And she felt like in prison in this wilderness. And, you know, you have more time to think, of course, it's almost like doing time in a cabin without TV, but it, it just, it, it, we, I, I'm assuming we would have saw a different side of her. Like we would have seen her like shoot the bear if she was, you know, that side of her. Good point. And you know, I, but and we don't, because we, we don't see, we see it's not someone else looking. It's just her point of view. So we don't see any, she's still broken down. So I'm starting to believe her, but I don't know in miles presence, Milo's presence, if that would change. That's but, what I'm thinking. That's what I was going to say is 
I, I, I agree with you. I'm not being cynical. When I saw that scene with the bear and when she's talking to Mike, I believe her. And I feel like she's being honest and sincere to him. And yeah. she's not pushing the connection. She's not doing that stuff. Ah, I'm yours forever. She doesn't seem to in any way to be really putting a big con on him. But it's when Milo's there, right? And yeah. is there more to that story too? Because I still don't know if I totally believe her backstory. You know? I don't know. I don't there could know. be other yeah. elements of this that we don't know. But definitely for Mike, it seems like she has become a place of solace, just like his cabin. And whether that's going to be good for him or dangerous for him, we will find out in season two of the. Whoa, 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 uh, yeah, no, um, you know what? One thing I want to (laughs) say that was, I should have just said, Hey, take care everybody. Um, is they, if you saw, I don't know if you saw, did you watch the, like the next on after the pen, penultimate episode no. last week? No. Okay. I did. And they, cause they, they always manipulate you. Cause you never know. Cause most of the time it's the network who does the next week on that's right, yeah. we ran in trouble marketing. with lost and all, you know, marketing and, you know, or the stupid, uh, <laughs> was it heroes? Someone fly flies, someone dies. I was like, I'm out. That's when I quit watching the show. When I saw that <laughs> pro- promo, someone flies, someone dies. Okay. That's the most ridiculous thing. Other than if lost in 24 had a baby, it would be the event like that bugged me too. Anyway, but, um, it showed Milo, like him looking at the prison. And then you see a shot of Iris hide around the corner and she looked dressed up. So it made it look like there was something's going to happen oh, there. Oh, okay. But I'm wondering I'm wondering if that I can't remember if that shot is her in the cabin or if that was just a random shot they put in there. Mm-hmm. I that I don't remember because I only watched it once, but they set it up like it made you think, oh my God, when Milo confronts Mike, she's gonna she's in on it or something. The way they did it, it seemed very like, oh boy, they're gonna see each other and she's either scared or she's getting the nod to put the plan, you know, or maybe we're overthinking it, but they really messed with us with the next on last week. (laughs) Okay. That is interesting. Well, I mean, like I said, I felt when, after he sits down on the car and then it kind of cuts to black, I guess it was probably like a commercial break. It comes back. He's riding back through. You get a nice shot of him. His cabin really is hidden in there, right? Like a couple dirt roads. When he pulls in, I totally thought that Milo was going to pop out of the trunk or Milo was going to be sitting in there with her or she oh, was going to be gone. Yep. Um, but that's not what happened. So, I mean, I think it's fair to say that marketing people would try to trick you and connect them because that is a main kind of mystery, right? If she's telling yeah. the truth, is she really with Milo? But we don't know. We will have to wait until next season. But it did. I love bringing the bear back too because – like you said, ah. it made her into a prisoner. In, it was like she had her shank, you know, that knife there. Mm-hmm. And it's like they always say, you serve those years up in your head, not actually in the prison. And that's really what this that's all about, is she saying, is can, can we heal? And when she was talking about 
If there's a way to grow back parts of your soul, she's of course talking about herself. She's talking about Mike. She's talking about all the people in that town and in that prison and the guard, everyone that was involved, what they all went through because that is a scarring thing. I like the way that throughout they made mention of the governor and they made mention of, you know what? Every prisoner in the country is watching right now, this prison. And when they had the, the, um, the news copter get shot at, you know, that kind of brought, Oh yes, that was cool. That I'd never seen that before. (laughs) You like the bartender and a lot of old Westerns or, you know, the bartender never dies. Um, well, he does now, but it, it was like the news, the news chopper was shot at. Like it was awesome. I mean, I don't condone that, but it's a fictional show. But like, you know what I mean? It's just like stuff you don't expect. And they it's gave almost us a like a background at that point too, right? They were like the yeah. largest prison riot previously had been this, and kind of giving us our perspective. I think um, that this will definitely. Perhaps as we look towards season two, we think too about how the outside world might be brought in now. Like this show will kind of expand. I feel as though maybe it'll expand past the town a little bit more. We see the way people being affected or people will come into the town that weren't there before because they've got to watch what's going on and maybe even investigating what the hell was, why was this guy Mike even involved? Who is he? How does, you know, right? Like, yeah. Why is, is this, this prison like going to still be functional? Yeah. Are we going to get new prison guards? Exactly. There's, and there's a lot open for new characters too. that. You know, is it going to be one of those power struggles where, you know, everything that's been going on in this town evidently now is going to be shaken up a bit. Yep, uh, maybe not so much in the police department as, as there, my ride's almost here. Um, but so that's, that's another dynamic as we talked about how Kingstown is its own character. Mm-hmm. Um, it'll be interesting to see how the Kingstown character changes after this is, you know, what's, what, what's going to happen. What is Mike's life going to be like? What was he going to be doing? Are the white supremacists want to come after him? You know, uh, who knows? We got Milo. We got, we got, there's so much they can do, which is great. Is, is Mike going to go to hockey this Friday? That's, that's the big question. That's the big question I have. That's the big question. Well, we do know that Captain (laughs) Moore survived. So Ed didn't, but Captain Moore, Ian goes over and takes him down from his, uh, his bed cage. And so perhaps he will be around. The warden will be back. Um, the warden might lose his job after this. Yeah, I was. Yeah, that's true. We don't know. Wait, how the, do wardens? How do wardens get there? Are they elected officials or? No, I don't believe so. I think it's an appointment or just like a job you're hired for. But I, but maybe you do have to go in front of like a prison know. board or something like that. I don't know. I don't know. Perhaps perhaps that maybe be they'll show it. it. Yeah. Perhaps Maybe they'll educate us more on how wardens get their gigs. We I'm sure it'll be simple, see. but you can email us anytime. Yeah, email us at dvrpodcast at gmail.com. Tell us how you became a warden at your prison <laughs> or how you felt about this show. I mean, this was great, man. I mean, I don't I don't know that I have much more to say. I think this season was amazing. I Even though this show, you know, a lot of times my wife and I, 
will will be like, how are we feeling? Are we ready for, like you were saying with Renal, like, are you ready for something so violent and gripping <laughs> or do you want to watch like sex in the city? You know what I mean? Exactly. Like, what do you want to watch? Exactly. I was always ready for this, even though this is so dark and everything I was pulled in and I had to decide. I thought I got to talk on the show. Why is it? Why is it? It's Jeremy Renner, man. I just think he, he has such a stability and the way that he walked through this episode, through the whole season, just so stoic. It's almost like he's carrying us on his back, making us watch everything. And it does affect you after when you think about it, but he it's, it's, you know, I mean, it's what won him an Academy award, right? Yeah. He just has I mean, the ability I, to do that. Yeah. And I called him at the beginning of the year. He reminds me of a cross between Steve McQueen and Denzel Washington, maybe even throw mm, yeah. parts of De Niro in there from, uh, especially from uh, deer hunter. Uh, yep. it, it just, it, 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 he's got this quality and it's, he's perfect for this role. Like a lot of times people play roles, they're big stars, they get gigs, they do this and they just, it, it, the, the movie bombs or whatever. It's not critics hate it. And it is not necessarily like bad acting. It's just a lot of times certain actors just aren't right for roles. I mean, you get it. Cause a lot of times stuff's made, you need a star, you know, they their agency has other yeah. actors and Packaged. stuff. They, you know, it's a whole packaging yeah. thing going on. Um, and so, you know, and a lot of times movies that fail, um, you'll, you'll get, wow, there's a lot of stuff going down in uh, Burbank, Never mind Kingstown. There's a lot of sirens going around here today in Hollywood. Um, but you know, and Renner is just so perfect for this role and it works. And, and, and you know, and that sometimes is one of the hard, like you could say Heath Ledger Joker. I didn't think Heath Ledger was going to be a great Joker. Mm, I didn't know he one. had that yeah. in him yeah. and he's, it's one of the best performances to date. So it, it, it's funny how certain things, you know, you could tell when something's getting made because it's a star, like a lot of people we, we had on our pod, we did an awesome part of a pod on our Patreon of uh, our favorite shows of 2021. And I, I remember someone brought up the Nicole Kidman playing a Russian in um, uh, one perfect uh, strangers, nine perfect strangers. And that was like, God, just not make a Russian. And it would have worked out, fine. you know, like someone was just like, yeah, I don't like her accent. And, you know, it's Nicole Kidman. So, but yeah, we it lost a little bit there, man. Yeah. It takes you out a little bit. Jeremy Renner does not, he, he's got the balance of, you know, he's a character actor in a, in a leaning, leading man's body. If you want, like a Johnny Depp kind of um, not to compare the two, but you know what I mean? Like Johnny Depp looks, you know, he looks, he's one of the most handsome man's on the handsome man on the planet, but he can act boy. He's got range. So it's just like Renner is just so perfect. And he, he's such a damn good actor that never once I'm like, you know, we, we, we joke, Oh, Jeremy Renner, we love him. But like, he's Mike McCluskey. Yeah. This. He's Mike McCluskey. Definitely. He ain't Jeremy Renner. Just, you know, feeding the bear. And he's, he's never McCluskey. trying to do too much. That's no, that's, and that's the, thing. the key. You, you, that is the key. And it, it, that to me speaks to a trust of the audience and a, a, a confidence in knowing the character, not yep. trying to do too much because if he had, if he had come in in this last episode and walked in with Iris and then just started crying and she held him and he cried, I would have kind of been like, 
nah, that's kind of a typical ending, but he didn't do that. And that's I, not him. I, yeah, that's not him. That's not the character. And it's not time for that because the, the story continues. I, I love the way they just pulled away from them sitting there, went to black. That's it. We didn't need some big coda wrapping everything up. That was, it, that was understated. I feel this show in general has been understated. Uh, I think it'll grow in its popularity. Hopefully next time we come around for season two, we invite the competition, have more podcasts. I hope some more people start some mayor of Kingstown podcasts. If you're listening, go ahead and start a podcast and we'll, we can come on and be your guest. It'll be more podcasts for guest. us, but be it's been, guest. it's been a yeah. great season. I'd love talking to you about it. Uh, I really appreciate people writing in, sending the messages and uh, downloading and listening because that's why we do it. There's just been a really fun time and I've really loved this show. We chose good this time, Solo. We did. Uh, yeah, no, thank you, Axel. Um, it, it was an absolute pleasure. It, it, you know, again, we we may not pick the most popular shows. I mean, we did Lost, Game of Thrones, stuff like that. But, you know, we did Mindhunter because, you know, it, it's great to have someone like you. We're both, you, I mean, you have, I mean, both of us, we like all kinds of shows. We'll watch anything, Sex in the City to, you know, Hollywood Squares to ace of cakes or whatever you know and law and order but like when when you and i are both excited about a show it is one of the most one of my top 10 things to do in life is to talk to you about uh tv and film and especially when we both love a show and we're both on it's just you know and that's the reason why we've been podcasting together for god a decade (laughs) you know um it's just it's so much fun and thank you because shows like this don't a lot of times don't get a pod you may get a one-off episode on a podcasting network um, or something. Cause like uh, on the ring of the prestige TV, uh, Shea Serrano and Chris Ryan talked about, um, you know, it was really quick, but they, they hit the finale in the show a little bit, but it was more of a check-in. They didn't really an- overanalyze. It was just kind of talking about, it, but it was nice to hear someone else and someone who I like talk about the show. Um, and I, I, you know, it, this isn't the type of show that people will podcast a lot about. Um, it's just not, it doesn't have the mass podcast, but I love talking about shows like this because I love it so much. And there's so much more to it. You don't need theories, aliens or sci-fi to do a podcast about a great show. And we kind of, I enjoy that me and you uh, are, took, had the guts to take this on and just, you know, if it wasn't good, we would have had fun. And it would have been, but it was better than expected. Yep. Appreciate everyone downloading and sent, like Axel said, sending us messages and emails. I'm sure we're sure that that will grow, but um, and just, you know, a lot of times there's shows I'll watch and there's no podcasts about them. And I really want to hear someone talk about them. So we hope we reach a lot of people, especially throughout this whole year. And before season two, you know, people may find the show. Oh, all the episodes are out. Oh, then they're going to go binge it. Cause some people yeah. might be waiting for that as well. Uh, so, um, so, you know, we're here and uh, you can hit us up at any time all year round because, you know, now with streaming, it, it, it's not just week, week, and then we're done. Uh, you know, if we got enough emails and enough people that wrote in, we, you know, we do a special episode in the off season, but you know, chances are probably not, but you never know. Uh, we may, you know, could be Taylor Sheridan check-in with 1883 and Yellowstone, who knows? new movies i mean the the possibilities are endless but we're really in this taylor sheridan world and uh we love what he does and it just i'm so excited 
and uh, just really, uh, really, this was a, this was a real treat it was. Um, to have this show in our lives. And I really freaking enjoyed it a, a lot Me too, <laughs> as, as you know. Me too. Well, we're going to wrap it up, but don't go anywhere, everyone, because right after I am done talking, you are going to hear Matt, our good friend, Matt, and you can find out all about him in the show notes and go listen to his great podcast. And he is the originator of podcast Winterfell, our Game of Thrones podcast that will be back when the game House of the Dragon uh, comes to HBO. So listen to Matt. And I also do want to remind everyone that I am going to start releasing the previous Patreon-only Mindhunter episodes onto the regular Mindhunter feed. So if you are a fan of the Netflix show Mindhunter, we did both seasons, all episodes. We're going to pick up, I think we stopped at episode three of season two and the rest were Patreon, Patreon only, but those are going to be released week by week. Just look up Mindhunter. You'll see the big DVR podcast network logo. And next week, I'm going to do one of those one-offs you talked about, about oh. Yellow Jackets. We did one nice. earlier this season at the halfway point. Now we're going to cover um, the whole season and talk about the finale. Are you up to speed with Yellow Jackets? Yeah, I can't wait for the finale, baby. I, that's, again, my Sunday nights were Yellowstone, Yellow Jackets, Dexter, right. and, uh, and Mayor of Kingstown. Well, Solo, maybe you want to come on and talk about Yellow Jackets. Oh, I would love to. All right. I would love to. I will contact you regarding Please do. Jackets. Please do. Please contact me. <laughs> I'll email and you if from my schedule permits. DVR podcast. <laughs> All right. That's perfect. Can uh, I follow you on Twitter too? Oh. Yeah, at W Axel Foley, but I don't really go on Twitter anymore because it's people are very angry on Twitter. Yeah, I'm only when I start promoting when uh, a little movie I did, The Star City Murders. Yes. Uh, we in February of 2022, we're gonna have a teaser trailer drop, and we're been in post production, but I, you know, produced and starred in that movie, so you'll see a lot of uh, me, the same kind of. Ca- I'm not gonna say same as Jeremy Renner's character, but that type of character I play, uh, you know, a grizzled detective who's down on his luck, who's had a shady past, and who's you know going through the motions, catches a new case, and things happen from there. But uh, keep an eye out for it. Um, well, you know, it's tough because at this point in mid-January, uh, you know, we're still in post, so we don't have any big announcements yet. But um, follow me on Twitter at Heath Actor, and uh, I'll uh, promote it. You know, when things come out, we'll be promoting, uh, you know, the trailer release and different things that happen with the movie. Uh, so you can follow me there and get all that information. Awesome. So without any further ado, thanks again. Here's Matt. Feed the bear, Matt. Hello, Axel and Heath and everybody who participates in the DVR and listens to the DVR. Matt Murdock here. I'm going to do a little musical analysis of the main theme for Mayor of Kingston. And I just wanted to say that I really, really enjoyed this series so far. I've finally caught up to the penultimate episode and I feel ready for this finale i can't wait to see where all everything leads as everybody's in the perils that they are man there's some stuff going down in that prison huh anyway i'm here to talk about the main theme and why a main theme is created and what the mission so to speak of a main theme is and really what the mission of a main theme is for a television show is to give you an idea of the tone 
and really the mission of the main characters of the series or the overall trajectory of what the series is about. Now, for those of you who have heard me do musical analysis before, I'm sure that many of you haven't, but for those of you who have, this is going to seem pretty repetitive in some of the things that I say, so I apologize for that. Nonetheless, when I look at a theme or any kind of scoring for a television show or film, there's four key aspects that I look at that I feel composers use in order to communicate and accentuate what's happening on screen. Those four things are timbre, meaning the instruments that are played, the melodic shape, how high or low the notes go, the rhythm, how the beat is subdivided or tempo or meter, how the beat is counted, and finally the harmony, which gives emotional context to everything else because certain harmonies make us emotionally feel certain ways. So I'm going to try to address all of these as quickly as I can so that you're not spending too much time with me. And the first thing that I'll say is that timbre, meaning the instruments that are played, is very important in this particular theme because it uses two types of instruments where the notes can be bent. You predominantly hear strings and you predominantly hear guitar. Naturally, guitar strings can be bent and String instruments like violins, cellos, that kind of thing, can be used to slide in between notes. And so you get a bending effect from that. What does that say in regards to how the mission of this show and the mission of its characters relates? Well, like much of the real world, it says that there are no static concepts. Everything can be inflected. The way I perceive something and the way you perceive something can be completely different. And the bending of the note indicates a shift between different perspectives. Something else that is interesting to me about these particular timbres is the way that they are performed or even the way that they are equalized. For instance, the strings, in terms of when they play the melody, has almost kind of this muddiness to it. Again, in order to achieve the goal, you may have to go through some unclear things in order to be able to achieve it. On the other hand, the guitar is very bright and pierces through as it plays different parts. And that gives everything an edginess that tells you that this world is going to be abrasive to us as we watch it. That covers the timbre. Let's talk about the melodic shape of the main part of the melody that we have here. The melodic shape starts on the first note, dips down to what implies a major harmony. I'll get to that in a second. Then shifts back up slightly higher before falling just lower than where it fell before. It's a seesaw struggle between dark and light. If you think of the notes going higher as achieving a higher purpose and the low notes as the pitfalls of trying to achieve that purpose, that's the story that, again, is telling, is that the struggle to create something idealistic is that movement up, but that the gravity of realism will pull you down. 
Now, that particular melody not only tells us that in shape, but it also tells us that in harmony. The harmonic notes that go along with this melody, which the melody really kind of outlines really well, but the harmonic notes that are happening in guitar, again, in the edge, gives us two different kinds of chords that shouldn't normally go together, but composers have found a way to make them work thanks to common notes. Behind the melody being played in the guitar, you hear the harmony being outlined. Now, you can hear that both of those chords have one note in common, and that is the bottom note and the top note, basically. And so that's what helps tie it all together. But those two chords actually come from, well, technically they come from a melodic minor ascending, but you don't need to know all that stuff. I bore people with all that scale talk. All you need to know is that because of the common tone, you can use two chords that will indicate very different emotions within the same theme. One goes with the first part of the melody, and it is what we call major. Now, typically, when we think of major chords, Pythagoras, a long time ago, he did a whole bunch of stuff and experiments trying to find out why we humans, as basically math machines, respond to different tones being put together. What he found out was that a major chord tends to make us feel good or happy or lighter. Therefore, this first part of the melody and the harmony that accompanies it tells us that the mission is pure. The mission is right. The mission is good. The second half of that melody, not so much. Now that comes from the minor version of E. And what minor tends to do is tell us darker, more serious. And so what we're finding out is that in order to achieve the happiness, some darkness has to happen. So you can tell both through melodic shape and through the harmony that we are being told there is a good intention going on here, but some dark things are going to happen in order to achieve that mission. And wow, that's exactly what's happened throughout the course of this season, right? We see a lot of dark things happening on Mike's watch, but hey, he's doing it for the greater purpose of trying to keep the peace. Doesn't seem to be working out so well right now, but regardless of that. So there you go. You have the timbre, you have the melodic shape, and you have the harmony all telling you this same story. There's a good intention, but some dark things are going to happen to achieve that good intention. However, every good theme song also needs excitement in it. That's what keeps you from turning the TV off when you're forced to watch commercials or turn the streaming service off when you pay $4.99 for Paramount Plus as opposed to getting the full commercial-free version like I do. That is generally achieved through two ways, counter melody and rhythm. Both of these happen in this theme song as well. And generally, the counter melodies have more rhythm to it. And that's what helps generate the excitement. But first, let's just talk about the guitar counter melody. As all this syncing is going on and that kind of thing, we also get Now, that particular line in the guitar doesn't really say so much about the rhythm, although it is moving twice as fast as 
the melody. So it's a little bit of excitement, but it also expands the shape of everything to be much bigger. And that gives the whole theme a lot of scope, just like the show has a pretty large scope if this mission is to be achieved. But there are several different counter lines that happen in the strings that happen a lot faster than the main melody. And that's what adds the excitement. For instance, this one. That's the line that's used for the major chord. Consequently, the one that creates the feeling of E minor also has its own, but the notes are changed to fit that particular harmony. Gives it a totally different feeling, doesn't it? And then right at the end, as things are building, you also get a counter line that's going much higher. Again, increasing the scope, just like the guitar line did. One for the major. And one for the minor, which even creates tension by going up the scale even further, expanding the scope. So the fact that all of those are moving so much faster than the melody, that's what generates the excitement. And the fact that it goes along with the harmony, it reinforces this whole mission is good, method to get the mission accomplished, not so good. And that's all I've got, guys. I know I've spent like nearly 11 minutes here with you. Thanks for listening.